the moment you put your hand on someone's coffin and you kind of you make a promise to them to to live on and do everything they wanted to do and live life and the values that they want to do. And I said, I still remember putting my hand on his coffin. I was like, everything I do from now on will be for the two of us. You're listening to Trade Mutt's 120 Grit Podcast, the podcast for the working class, hosted by Dan Allen and Ed Ross, the co-founders of Trade Mutt. If you're a fan of Trade Mutt's 120 Grit, we'd love to hear what you think. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com. Mate, what's wrong? Are you oh, right? I'm buggered. I'm just stuffed. I, I'm just, I'm just worn out. I'm worn out. I've just been going from job to job. It's a, it's a nightmare. Um, have you got a scheduling system or anything? A ske- schedule what? <laughs> a scheduling system? No. We just ring the office up and just tell them we've done a job, and then they just be like, "Go to the next one," and I'm like, "Okay," and then I just do that, and then I just ring them again, and then go to the next one. Have you looked into a sort of a scheduling software like Simpro? Sim who? Sim Pro. (laughs) Those headphones turned up? (laughs) Who's who's that? Sim Pro is it operations management software and it's easy as. I can even use it. It allows office staff. It is easy. It it allows office staff to schedule in everyone's work, including things like routing, maps. You can even specify preferred technician capabilities. So, mate, how do I find out more about these Sim Pro people? Well, all you got to do is jump on your iPhone or your iPad or your PC and check out www.simprogroup.com. But wait, there's more. Be prepared to get your schedule in order. After a lot of hard work, we're happy to announce that the TX support service is now open. TX is a new service and we're in the process of building capability. At this stage, we have a trained mental health professional online between the hours of 9.30am and 5pm Monday to Friday. If you or anyone you know would like to access a mental health professional, call or text 0488-46988. For more information, visit www.tax.org. In this week's episode of Trade Mutt's 120 Grit, we sat down with Carpenter and founder of the Human Connection Project, Matt Boyce. Boyce, made the move over to Brisbane from Perth in his late teens, chasing a professional football dream. However, instead of an NRL contract, Boyce found himself a best mate, Justin, who very quickly became like a brother. Over the course of five years, the pair forged an incredibly strong mateship. However, a tragic surf trip accident led to Justin sustaining a head injury that ended his life. This tragedy was a catalyst taking Boise into an emotional decline, battling grief and depression at the same time. In the two years following, Boise realised just how important having solid and genuine human connection was to his state of mind and how desperately he was missing it in his own life. Boise recognised through his own mental health struggles that Australians are spending increasingly less time connecting with one another, which is gravely impacting our mental health. As we've become busier and more digitally connected than ever, we've become the most socially disconnected generation in human history. The act of connecting and enjoying a conversation with a family, friend or acquaintance has become somewhat of a lost art. The Human Connection Project exists for one simple reason, to bring back the art of connection. Enjoy this episode. Today we're very lucky to have the uh, the company of Matt Boyce. Now, Boyce is the CEO and founder of the Human Connection uh, Project. I wrote process on my piece of paper. <laughs> He's also a could carpenter a by name. trade. Yeah, he could be a new name. Carpenter by trade. 
and he's just finished telling us how uh, he plays off scratch and is going to be a formidable force <laughs> at the upcoming TX Charity Golf Day where he's on the uh, on the team alongside myself, Sam Gardell, and Lockie Stewart. Oh, I thought you were in trouble there. So, mate, are you going to put your money where your mouth is? Oh, absolutely. Scratch, we'll take scratch, but maybe oh, add 18. I did make that up for the record. Mate, how are you going? It's great to have you in here. Yeah, no, good. I'm looking forward to it. I've obviously uh, been following on what you boys have been up to over the few years and uh, the podcast, so excited to get on and have a chat. Well, it's a good segue because you've been working with Gardy, who was our last guest. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be great to discuss exactly what you do and sort of your story. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I suppose, yeah, let's go, let's go back to, you know, I was reading on your website before, you know, the Human Connection Project sort of was founded through a lived experience yep. by yourself. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah, I go back a little bit. I was born and raised in Perth and when I was in Perth, I was always the guy that was kind of running the toolbox meetings on site around, you know, what's going on at home, how's your relationship with your wife or your kids and I was always the one facilitating the human connection or the, the positive mental health conversations don't know if I was kind of putting a, you know, I'm not someone that is super energy based, but putting out the energy or the, the kind of vibes that I'd be up for the chat. Maybe I was waiting for my trademark shirt. <laughs> Segway. God, that uh, must have been a fair while before <laughs> trademark existed. Yeah, well, you know, someone had to do it. Um, but yeah, I kind of went through that and then I moved to Brizzy for chasing the footy dream like everyone does and then realising you're not that good. Um, went full, full head into chippy work and... And I kind of wore a mask around for a long time. Um, when I came over here, I was like, fuck, I've got I've to be this tough footy player who's come over here to chase the footy dream, so I can't just be this kind Is this of playing rugby league, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yep, so I was back on site and I was kind of trying to be the tough guy and then no one was sitting with me at Smoker. I was kind of a little bit isolated. I went from someone that was facilitating conversations around mental health and, and conversations around how your relationships are to being super lonely. Um, and I kind of had this fucking, I don't know, epiphany where one day I just ripped the metaphorical mask off and I tell this story quite often. I was skipping down the, the hallways of a construction site in Carindale singing Whitney Houston and suddenly everyone wanted to sit with me at Smoko. <laughs> um, so that's that, probably something weird. Go on. That give sounds, it, that give sounds a, extremely familiar. <laughs> give us a couple bars. The microphone's no, yours, mate. It's, it's not set up for our, uh, singing, I mean, unfortunately. It's a podcast setting. And you're sitting down. <laughs> it only works when you're skipping, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you played so – I didn't even realise they played rugby league in Perth, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they had the Bears there about 20 years ago. <laughs> We're not that good. Um, yeah, I was a, one in – I think it was about 1,200 12, 12, uh, 12, people at my high school and I was the one person that played rugby league. So it was a pretty isolated setting from the get-go. But, um, yeah, came over here and met probably, you know – I don't know if there's a soulmate and a best friend or not, but yeah, definitely met Justin and we kind of became inseparable. We met through footy and I was working on his family construction site under Cullen Group for a while there. And um, yeah, it's kind of, I went, we were both meant to go on this surf trip. We both kind of went, we're too busy. We're chasing the cash kind of, we were pretty, pretty into our work at the time and a spot come up and he took it. And that was the, that was the last time I ever got to see Justin. So he never came back from that holiday. He had a tragic accident, accident and passed away. Um, got, you know, was on a boat trip and hit his head and drowned and that was kind of end of the story there and it, yeah, it bloody rocked me to my core and for someone who's been facilitating mental health conversations and, you know, been pretty open about it for years, I super went super isolated and put up walls and 
for a few days I was you know throwing back quite a few Valiums and just didn't leave the house and I was living at my parents house at the time and I'd I'd built a granny flat underneath and it was pretty sound safe and the the blinds are really good and it was just a big black cave that it I didn't really want to didn't want to leave a literal cave that you can yeah. hide away in how about yeah. that so that was yeah that's pretty much the story of how I went from being the facilitator to needing facilitation yeah right so how old were you when you went from Perth to Brisbane 18 oh I think I was just turned 19 so yeah. just come out of the apprenticeship pretty much yeah righto and then how long did you know Justin for so we met and it was kind of like five years, we were best mates, so it was, it was really quite funny, like he's obviously got childhood friends that he's grown up with and we met and we just kind of went, kicked off from there. We met at the Acker Races, <laughs> had, a, uh, had a big night out at the, uh, what's that pub over there, the RH or something? I'm not surprised you don't remember. <laughs> um, but one thing I do remember, like again, back to the skipping, like we were, we were skipping down the road singing and I went, fuck, this is... This is someone I want to hang out with, and we were pretty much inseparable from that day. I think uh, the skipping was the connection. Does it feel weird? To, did it feel weird to you to move states and make a mate like that, who just you know was such a solid connection, yeah. make such a bond, probably like brothers, and then for that to just be ripped away, like yeah, it was yeah, it was definitely a weird experience. So I, I had obviously mates growing up, and you know, really quite close with them, but I wasn't nearly as close to any of the boys that I grew up with. As what I was with Justin from the get go, so yeah, to lose him, it was I had lost all hope. I for days there, I thought I'm never going to be happy again, and I know we'll probably get into it. But there was moments where I was just wanted to give up on everything. I was I was done. I was never going to be happy. What's the point of kicking on? And definitely, like my family and friends were amazing, but super disconnected. I didn't let them in. They wanted to get in, but I was in my cave, so they weren't coming in. And um, yeah, I don't think even my parents knew how bad it was until many years down the track where I kind of started getting on podcasts and doing videos and I was like, yeah, I was suicidal. And they were like, fuck, like, that's what it is. You, you don't see it on someone. Yeah, and that's just a thing, isn't it? And I think you said it's, you know, kind of weird. You don't know if you can make a, make a soulmate in a, in a best mate or anything like that. Mm. But, um, you know, I've got a similar story of moving from Sydney to Brisbane and, and you know, meeting one of my mates, you know, one of my best mates who ended up as the one who took his life to end up you know, push us to doing this. And it yeah. was the same thing, probably a five-year period there. And, yeah, all of a sudden, all over. It's amazing how people can come into your life who maybe you didn't grow up with, mm. make different connections, but they can have fucking massive impact on your life in such a short period of time. Massively. Yeah, I, like, I'm, I had a piece of my puzzle missing my whole you know, childhood up until 19 when, when we kind of met and I didn't even realise. Is that something you're grateful for? Massive. So for a while there I was... You know, I went through the stage that most people go through with grief. I was like, oh, this is so unfair. Like, why me? Why Justin? Why us? Like, his family was in pieces. Like, it was just like a, just a really negative outlook on life. And then I kind of switched, you know, and, and went through a massive personal growth stage where I was like, fuck, like, I got to spend five years getting to know probably one of the best people that's ever worked the, walked the face of the earth and learned so much of him. Pretty much everything I do now is a lesson that I learned from him either – you know, straight to my face or just through seeing his actions. You know, he's a workaholic. He was always really integral, had a lot of integrity. It's probably his, his biggest value. And I guess that kind of just rubbed off on me. And my old lady tells so many stories where we'd come home and, like, we'd take two steps forward and then three steps back up the driveway trying to get back in after a night out. And, like, we'd, we'd be the exact same whether we were drunk or sober. And, you know, I said, um, I said a speech like years and years ago. I was like, we were just so inseparable. It was a, no wonder we were both single because we had no time to meet girls because we were too busy mucking around doing doing stupid shit that mates do. I guess we both probably 
felt like we'd missed out on things and having someone that close growing up. So we just kind of capitalised on our time. But, yeah, no, definitely grateful for the, the years I had. Yeah, well, I mean, and I suppose the, the key sort of takeaway is that, like, it's not – they're not just gone and out of your life. Like, they live on, you know, in your heart. Like, there's a lot of – there'd be a massive driving force there for you to be doing why, you know, what you're doing now. So I'd say that the spirit lives on in a big way or what? Massive, yeah. I, I can still remember his funeral like it was yesterday. We um kind of I, – I hadn't cried, I reckon, for the whole week while we were planning the funeral and his brothers stepped up and pretty much organised the whole thing because, as you can imagine, his parents – Right. Shattered, they've yeah. just lost their son. Like, no parent should ever have to bury their kid. So, the boys stepped up and organized, and we were kind of just pretty stoic through the whole thing. And then, the, the moment you put your hand on someone's coffin and you kind of you make a promise to them to, to live on and do everything they wanted to do and live life and the values that they want to do. And I said, I still remember putting my hand on his coffin. I was like, everything I do from now on will be for the two of us. And yeah, like, if I have days where I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this, or this is way too hard, or People are telling me, like, just go back to being a chippy. Just get up, go to work, finish. But, yeah, it's definitely a driving force for me. It's powerful, powerful, man. Really powerful. Do you think you knew when, like, after when all this has gone down and what you were saying, you were living in the granny flat underneath the house, the, you know, literal metaphorical cave, (laughs) did you know what you were feeling and experiencing at the time or was it only in hindsight and looking back that you could figure out exactly how how sort of bad you were? I just assumed it was grief. I kind of just thought this is what grief must be for everyone. But, yeah, it's not until hindsight. I think this is the problem we're all trying to tackle, that you never, you can never self-diagnose yourself. You know, you've got a toothache, you go on Google and look at your symptoms. <laughs> you've got a sore knee, you doctor Google it. But with mental health, like, I had no idea. I had depression. I had no idea that, you know, I thought about these suicidal tendencies, but... I never thought that I would actually act out on these and I didn't understand the concept of the end of the chemistry in my brain or what I could do in my own life to, to fix it. I want to go back to um, when you were in Perth and you were doing these toolbox talks. Now, was this something that were you, your boss or someone was, you were like the no, person yeah, was running these things? No, it was never things? facilitated. It was just... Oh, it was just you. Yeah, you, it so just you, happened. So you, uh, mental health was something that you were into early mm. on. I think I was into connection. I don't think I was intentionally doing it around mental health. Like, I look back now, I'd love to say that so you were just more in the mental health space, but yeah. So you were just more leading these chats and getting people to talk. Yep. Copy, yeah, copy, copy, copy. Yeah, because righto. So then, so then you've come over here and then this tragedy's happened and then... So did you... Were you sort of on a, I don't know, like a personal development stage sort of coming out of school and then moving over here? Were you like actively, you know, educating yourself? No, I thought up until... Pretty much up until Justin passed away, I thought personal development was a waste of time. Yeah, okay, copy. Like, now that like, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I thought, <clears throat> you know, I, I would look at someone with their glass half full and an allergy and be like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just get in, get it done, get out, um, yep. which is obviously, I've gone full circle from that today. Um, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's like, that's like that's what I just picked up with, like, Guardy and his podcast. Because, like, mm. yeah, because, you know, Dan and I were subletting his office upstairs and he's not, he's... A completely different man he was six months ago. Oh, massive. Like, it's a completely different man he was six months ago. The guy I played footy with to the guy that I caught up with for coffee the other week is just... Mate, it's incredible. And I'm I, I'm so just pumped for him. Mm. Like, he, like the, when he left here the other day, he was just like, I'll just, I'll, he, was, he was just living on the energy. He was yeah. just like, this is just awesome. 
and I was just yeah, it's great to be around that sort of Segway stuff. Way to solar there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but, but it's it's yeah, it's interesting. So you and then you just went on that big big development. So what was the turning point in your grief stage and your depressive state in your cave? When what was the turning point for you to work back out of that? Because you said you weren't letting people in. Yeah. So what was the the catalyst to you sort of turning that around? So before Justin passed away, I I had actually tried to get into the defence force. I'd gone to a meeting and I'd got my gone through everything i picked where i was going and i had my enlistment date pretty much i was actually backtrack i was a step away from getting my enlistment date so i'd gone to my youth session for those that have gone through it will know what that is and i went to just no, my parents were broken hearted like me and my mum are really really close my dad's worked away my whole life so me and mum are quite close as as i am with my father as well but me and mum have just got a got a bond and she was just livid that i was going into the defense force and i went from that meeting to justin's house and I'll never forget he shat, he shat me down. He sat me down. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying in there. <laughs> no editing. Uh, now he sat me down. He kind of said, look, there's there's three people in life. There's, there's, there's people level one that just go to work, don't really enjoy it, get by, do their thing, and they can you know, afford to live. There's people too that provide for their family, you know, they feel really content, they can give back to community a little bit here and then, then there's people three or level three, you know, are, are driven by passion, driven by impact, have enough money to afford to help out their family in any situation, help out members of their community community in any situation, but never led by money, more led by impact. And he was like, I know what I want my best mate to be and it's in level three. And, you know, he probably doesn't didn't have too much education on the defence force, but he said... I don't know anyone in the defence force that's going to be a level three. <clears throat> and that was something that really sat with me. And I, I kind of remember being in my cave and I was just laying there being miserable, miserable old me. And I remember that conversation. I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be a level three sitting in the cave. And it was pretty much that day everything changed for me. I reconnected with parents I'd shut out. Like I'd reconnected with the, the mates that I'd shut out. So it was a wolf pack, which is why I've got the wolf on my arm. So it was me, Dion and Justin. And I'd pretty much just shut Dion out through the whole process, just put up walls and tick that back off, got in contact with Dion, got in contact back with my parents, which were just upstairs, wasn't too hard, and then just kind of ventured back out into the world. And it was just from that realisation, the whole conversation I had, level one, two and three, and that's what that's all it takes for so many people is just to remember back to a, a certain situation. That was probably three years ago and it stopped me from Fuck. probably ending my life. How long were you how long were you in that state though for? Like how long do you reckon you'd shut down for? I would like I was proper shut down for like a week in the cave, but I was fucked for probably the best part of two years. Two yeah. years, yeah. but the cave was a week. The week, the week was the period where I was like level three. But so then it doesn't. It didn't happen overnight. It took me a long, long time to. So two years after your mate's death, yep. this all happened. That is a <coughs> long time, isn't it? Mm. That's yeah. an incredibly long journey. My God, you, you dug yourself into a big hole, didn't you? Yeah, like I was in a hole, but th- like it was the week that was the real hole. And mm. when I come out of the week, it took you know the best part of two years and to to finally come good. But what drove what drove that last week was it was there something that you were just like fuck about enough of this? Was like was it outside? Was it work? Was it or was it just it just built up that that much? I think it just built up that much. And the Cullen Group got shut down through things that had happened. They lost their license, and I watched the family go through losing their son to losing their business to losing the home. And I went over to the family home where we grieved Justin's death and cleaned out their cleaned out their possessions because they had had to file for bankruptcy. So I was like, cleaned up Justin's room two years earlier and now we're in his family home cleaning out the family belongings because they've lost everything. And 
pretty rough process for anyone to go through and I was like, fuck, what am I sitting here moping about? I could be out there making a difference and helping someone else that's going through similar circumstances. Bit of perspective is a powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, that's heavy, isn't it? My God. When, that's such a, when yeah. was the you session and all that? When did you do that? Was that after? No, that was... That was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right, no. Sorry, just Michael, can you turn years. the aircon on, please? It's bloody hot in here. <laughs> It's that so was the best part of three years, and I still remember. Like I sat with Justin, and I sent my old, my um my parents the YouTube clip of the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, right. He's like, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our favourites. <laughs> that is a beauty. Gold. That is a beauty. Yeah, we're, we're humming in. Yeah, now. that's better. That's better. Yes. Um. Yeah. Right. That's that's incredible. So, did you get back on the tools? Were you sort of working in that? Two-year period, you're still a trade well, qualified carpenter. I went back for a little bit and I was working on a Cullen Group site under under a builder that I, I was subbing for, so not under Cullen Group. And there was a uh, there was a particular supervisor that had always rubbed me up the wrong way Oh yeah, in the Cullen Group. And then he rocked up in Justin's ute. And I was like, fuck this, I'm out. That was like the day I was like, nah. Holy shit. Never liked him. And then he was rocked up in Justin's ute and I kind of said to the builder, I was like, I'm done, man. Like, I'm... I'm over it and then I went and coached CrossFit full time and it was kind of funny timing. I'd become really good mates with the affiliate owner and he had just gone through a divorce. The head coach role had come up and it was an easy transition to, to take. Yeah, right. So you've done your PT. Yeah, well, I've done my CrossFit coaching course. So it's it's a two-day course. Like it's yeah, quite, right. quite a throwaway course. But then I I did that for five years and I'd been fortunate enough to be under some pretty wicked S&Cs through footy and had some really good mentors in the strength and conditioning space. So... Kind of slip straight in there, and it yeah. Was a wow, good fit. Oh, that's cool. So mm. what? So you didn't seek out help during those two years. What? Who was the first person you went and saw, or you know, invested your time and money into to sort of? Yeah, I don't improve, know. Like I, I suppose I haven't really got a pinpoint person that was a like. There wasn't a mentor. There wasn't a like a coach or a seminar or anything that I went to that just backlived. I think I honestly kind of just dove deep. Yeah, like there was a period there where I was going up to the cemetery every week, and you know, it was super unhealthy. Like, you grieve however you feel you need to grieve, and if that works for you, then great. But for me, it was a really unhealthy process. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know who the person was, and I wish I did because I'd love to thank them. But there was something that that flipped, and five years ago, or you know, part off it. Yeah. That kind of pulled me out. So what? So what led you then to to start the? The human connection project, I suppose, because if that wasn't what was it getting back around your mates and, and and connecting, and you were like, "Fuck, more people need this." Yeah, I I realized that my depression, um, or like my my just deep dark cave wasn't caused by Justin's death. Like that was a that was a, a catalyst of it, but my my darkness was caused by my lack of human connection. The fact that I had cut everyone out, so I was grieving Justin's death. That was obviously extremely sad, and anyone that's gone through grief pretty much everyone knows what that's like but my real dark deep depression was the fact that i had no human connection it was this this epiphany where i was like how many other people are going through depression that's got nothing to do with chemical imbalances or it's got nothing to do with needing to sit across from a, you know a clinical setting it's just got to do with sitting across from a maid and, and having a yarn and sharing stories and then feeling connected because you know like i use the example all the time and you rock up to a barbecue and you know quite typical of the mate the blokes to be standing around the barbecue uh, <laughs> and you, you walk over there and you go oh, i've just had the biggest argument with my partner oh <laughs> that was incredible <laughs> um i've just had the biggest argument with my partner on the way here we've blown up we've had an absolute ripper of an argument and then someone else goes oh mate 
I had the same thing on the way here and then instantly there's just that bond there and I just I always thought back to that and I was like how many other people just need to sit next to their mate and just go hey look I'm struggling and then him or her to go back yeah me too and then there's that connection and then there's that you know authentic human connection where you can mm. share your story so that's pretty much that, where it was born from that's a, yeah it's an interesting story because I remember um the plumbing apprentice when he first reached out to us like two years ago Jimmy. Jimmy. I don't think he listens. He'd be sure he'd be listening. <laughs> Jimmy, um, he messaged us. It's the first time he ever, like, yeah, reached out to us. He he was at TAFE on the north side and uh, it was smoko time or something and he's gone outside and there was a guy wearing a trademark shirt and he sat down and started having smoko with him and a couple other guys sat down, they were all talking. And um, they basically just like laid it all out that they were all struggling. They're all going through different shit, but they're all sort of in the trenches together. And like, I've all, that's always stuck with me because mm. he was like, you know, no one there was trying to solve each other's problems. We were just all there knowing that mm. we're all fucking in this together. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like, it's just me. It's, mm. it's all of us and it's all right. We're working through it. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. was like super powerful. And it's like, it's so true. Yeah, it's, well, we're tribal creatures. You know, you go back to years and years and years ago, if you strayed from your tribe, You'd probably be dead. You're like, in big trouble. Yeah, you're in. You're, you're you wouldn't in last a day in the outback, Derek. You maybe might. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't last out where I'm from, mate. Thinking more therapy sessions need to be done around a barbecue, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what it is. Like you stray from your tribe, you're in, you, you know you're you're isolated. You're alone. You're going to get attacked by a, a saber toothed tiger. You know you stray from your your crew now, or your community now. Then when the 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 dog starts chasing you, then you're in you're in trouble. But if you're in your in your tribe or in your community or society or whatever we're labelling it, then you're a lot you know, a lot likely to survive it. But I mean, that's what there's so many there's so many different tribes out there at the moment. Like there's so many different things that you can be into, whether it's music or you can be a bloody mad rabbit support supporter and you belong yeah, to that. You know, you belong to that team. Not groups. many of them is there. There's not many. <laughs> There's about but one in this room, <laughs> but, but but it's that. But even just that, like socially, that that is the sense of belonging that so many people mm. crave, and that human connection, interaction, and just some commonalities that they all have. You know, they share together. It's yep. like you know, this is what we like. Yeah, but how important is it though? Like that was another yarn I had with Gardy on the phone the other day. It was sort of like, how important is it being around people that aren't enabling you? You know what I mean? So like, if you're going out every week and getting shit face. And mm. the same thing with Cam Powell when he came on. Like, he was in a group of mates. They were just getting drunk every weekend and he was like, I'm sick of this now. Stop doing it. They all got the shits with him because he was doing something different. Mm. And when he was around them, they were obviously enabling one another to be like, yeah, this is sweet. You yeah. know what I mean? So how important is it to find healthy relationships with, you know, with people? Because there's a lot of... <laughs> Pretty right, unhealthy. Back to that there. bloody question that shot at Glenn Azar at the uh, the live did the other night. How do you break up with toxic mates? Like, and how do you even know they're toxic in the first that's place? That's that's where I was going, Derek. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, if we if we had the answers, you know, we probably wouldn't need to have our businesses. But um, the thing is, like, toxic people is pretty. It's pretty easy to figure out if you're in a toxic relationship, whether that be with a partner or a friend. If you're if you're ever in trouble the people you first think to call are the ones you should be spending the most time with. So if you've had a if you've got a flat tire, chances are you're not going to think of calling your mate that you go get on the piss with every Friday. You're going to call the the mate that you really get along with in the smoker shed. You might not even have his number. You've got to find him on Facebook and message him in, you know, Messenger, but you've just got along with him on site so much that you feel comfortable reaching out for him, but you've gone and got on the piss with this bloke every Friday for the last 6 years. And the one time you get a flat tire, you don't want to call him. 
It's a good way to look at it, actually. So you reckon the people who are the best and most supportive of you are the ones who you feel naturally comfortable turning to in a time of crisis yeah, or it's trouble? Cool. It's like battle. Like I battle test decisions against our values with whatever we do or whatever I'm doing, whether it's me, whether it's our business. We've got our values that we like to battle test things against. It's the same thing with toxic friendships. Like I kind of battle test... Like coming here today, I could have battle tested this decision. Like, what is it? Is this putting us in a better position to make more impact, or is it taking away time that I could be spending writing a blog or posting a video or ringing someone up that I haven't connected with? So I'm glad you came here. Here we are. <laughs> we battle tested <laughs> no, and we got through. <laughs> but you know the? Uh, have you read the book? I'd sub sure you would have. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. Have yeah. You read? Yeah. So there's a really, really important chapter in there around relationships and how yeah toxic ones it's sort of one can grow and then one sort of falters but how important it is to be in a relationship where everyone's sort of on the way up together yeah, collectively. Every, if i ever do any work with men or female whatever partnership they're in like your partner has to do this with you so i'm doing some work with a young fella at the moment and everything we go through in our conversations like make sure you go home and have this exact conversation with your partner because if you're growing mm. and she's not then this relationship is as good as over. Because mm. one one goes up and the other stays behind and it's the same as you put crabs in a bucket. As soon as one crab starts to get out, every other crab's pulling them down. <laughs> that analogy. It's awesome. Ben, that's a clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But where, where did you get this where did you get this understanding from? Like how is this innate in you? Is this something that it you think must is growing? Be. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I, I'm a avid podcast listener and audible because cannot read. Like I read a page and I'm asleep, whether I'm morning or it's night. It's a common theme getting around this podcast recently. Yeah, well people who read and fall asleep. Well, mate, pod- yeah, mate, I read in the morning, so you know if I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but podcasts like this, like I don't know when podcasts started, but before mm. these were around, like you had Buckley's Chance impacting someone on the other side of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah, I think it was when Joe Rogan was born, didn't he? <laughs> didn't he just start doing it straight out of the he womb? He came out with a headset on. <laughs> Yeah, no, but you're right. It is a good way to connect, and I mean, for us, it's a good way to have conversations like this, mm. and you know, you get some, get it out to some decent audiences, and show them that yeah. you know, blokes can talk about this kind of stuff because that's the biggest impact we can make. I think. So. Yeah, well, we weren't going to do a podcast, and the only reason we did a podcast is I kind of was just driving one day, I had no music on, and I just wanted to have a chat. And my partner always tells Sarah always tells me she's like, you can't drive without being on a phone call. Mm, yeah, like, did you I refuse to drive? Yeah. And I was like, fuck, like that. So true. And I was like, long drives, man. For I'll sure. start a podcast where it's just conversational, where it can be Dan and Ed on the podcast, and I feel like I'm in it because I'm listening. Like yeah, that yeah. was the old, that was the whole point of our podcast because I had to call someone every time I was in a car. Yeah, I do that. It's the best time to listen to podcasts. I just listened to a pod, a serial podcast on the way up from Sydney to Brisbane when I drove back up last week. It was about ten episodes in that mm. you know eleven hour drive, and it was murder, no resolution at the end. I was like, fuck <laughs> me. That whole time was. Have you listened to the Theo Hayes one yet? I've, yeah, I listened to the Theo Hayes one. That's awesome. Hayes one. Yeah. About uh, light, uh, the Byron Bay Lighthouse, a Belgian backpacker that went missing. Anyway, yeah. we digress. Yeah, we digress. Mate, take <laughs> us into the Human Connection Project because I want to know more about sort of when it kind of started for you, when you made it a thing. Like yeah, hundred percent. A genuine project that yep. you were going to work towards, and then what the kind of vision, you know, how it's unfolded. Yeah, look, I guess it's a it's a pretty kind of up and down story to tell you the truth we started started your prep which is a meal prep company and it was, the whole concept was around getting families together over the dinner table um, which is a great idea running it as a business model was really quite hard because 
we're fickle creatures and we say we want to do one thing and then we never do it as you boys are well aware so your prep kind of was always struggling we had it for two years and it was we were kind of it was like an atm but going the other way we were just putting money into it never coming out and i, I was fortunate enough to get into an accelerator um with a large food company and while i was down there i was chatting to GM, the gm and i got along really really well with him he was like mate i think your passion is definitely elsewhere because you're not really into food eh? i was like i'm a chippy and i don't even know how to turn an oven on like I cook, which which like, kind of makes sense for like a meal yeah, prep company doesn't I, it <laughs> i cooked spag bowl the other week and it was i butchered it you can't it's spag bowl. Come, on. <laughs> come around to my place i'll give you a bloody mate, i've had a disaster <laughs> um but anyway like i went down to this accelerator and i ch- chatted to this gm and i was like you know we do we do all these community events we we get people together for walk and talks and I took the, the food company for a walk and talk and and I just kind of sat down with him one day at a, at a lunch break. He's like, mate, I think you need to get out of the food industry and, you know, you can keep it if you want, but I think you need to have a bigger umbrella company. And he kind of walked me through what that actually meant because had no idea. Um, and then we spitball ideas and, and he was kind of like, oh, it's got to be the, the, the project or bringing people project and landed on human connection project and, we kept running with your prep for a while there. We we really tried to make it work because f- for us, your prep was a place of employment. We employed um, through disability employment. So we had a, a lady with schizophrenia, bipolar. She was um, had no hearing, completely gone. Her father stepped on a landmine when she was very young and took out her hearing. So born, born with hearing, five years old, lost it. Uh, and then we also employed another lady who had a serious history of mental illness and drug abuse and had come like full circle and... When we shut your prep down, shutting the business down, you know, that that was no dramas. But telling those two girls that you know, you, you'd finally found purpose and passion, and you know, I'm going to pull the rug out from underneath you, was the hardest part. So we really stepped up our community events, and we get people together for walk and talks, and we we're planning on running some big summits once this whole, you know, timestamp your podcast. But this whole coronavirus is gone. We can get back into the summits, um, which will be great, and. We run a few different programs around upskilling of parents so they can have conversations with their with their um, children. But the whole concept is very similar to you and we were chatting offline. Like it's just about getting peer to peer support and getting people to just realise that, you know, we've kind of worked our way to break a stigma in Australia. I think, you know, even speaking to the girls we, we employed that were, you know, in the mental health system, like and have been for a very, very long time, like they were almost in agreement that the stigmas to a degree gone and I'm, I say that very lightly but to a degree the stigma around mental health is gone but we still don't have means or ways to just chat about it like if you get a new PT you want to tell everyone yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of people still aren't equipped with the tools and the emotional resources mm. tried to try to even kind of articulate what they're feeling you know yeah. what I mean so that's a yeah you're right I but think that's the next step to enable that but the hard the hard thing is it's like there's so many people that are on varying yeah journeys and it's like you're talking about you're on a two-year journey you know what i mean imagine how many people are out there that are in a fucking five-year and have never you know they don't even realize they're in that hole you know what i mean it's a lot a lot of people how we touched on mentors 
before briefly, but how important do you think that was? I don't know the, the bloke, but that fella who pulled you aside of the accelerator and identified that maybe your passion wasn't there and, mm. and pointed you in a different direction. That's that's pretty powerful for someone to... Yeah, like he was, was. he sounded like he was sort of half invested in what you were doing. And he's yeah, yeah, we we were going to run a crowdfunding campaign until we pivoted <laughs> to run purely charity and he was the first cab off the rank that was like, when's your crowdfunding, when's your crowdfunding, sir? He wasn't only emotionally invested, he was willing to put his money where his mouth was and get behind it. But um, like mentors, I think everyone needs a mentor. Everyone has a mentor. Like everyone, It's the same story as everyone has a morning routine. It's either detrimental or positive for the day ahead. It's, a, it's the same with mentors. You know, we've all got them. We just, a lot of us don't realise. We're watching someone's actions and we're emulating it in our own life, which is essentially the act of a mentor. Yeah. Um, so I think mentors are probably one of the most important if not the most important thing we need to have in our journeys whether that be a mental health journey business journey lifestyle like i've got a mentor for business i've got a mentor for emotional well-being i've got a mentor for physical training like yeah that's important i think yeah i think that's an important point it is you don't need a one-size-fits-all mentor no one-stop shop but do they know that they're your mentors some of them would have no idea yeah so that because i'm like you know, that's the thing. Like, does it have to be an, nah. an official relationship? No, no, like this you is need where to people get caught up. They sign the paperwork. You don't have to onboard yeah, someone. Like you don't have to have a contract with your mentor. Like, they're just they're just a good close ally, mate. You can just ring. Cause Matthew like, McConaughey has been a mentor for me for years. He doesn't <laughs> even know I exist. <laughs> I say, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> mate, that bloke is a weapon. Yeah, he's awesome. It, yeah, it's de- it's like it's not a one size fits all. Like mentors aren't a hat. You know, you've got to have a mentor or someone to look up to in every category of your life. And if you're a spiritual person, then you've got to have your spiritual mentor. And if you're a sparky, then fuck, have a sparky mentor. And every element of your life, have somebody that you look at and go, you're where I want to be. Either directly ask them or just watch them and then follow. How how important a learning curve was that for you? Like when you were 18 and stuff, was that something, were you looking up to other people or were you just gun-hoeing it? Like, Yeah, well, as you mentioned earlier, rugby league in Perth's pretty shit ass. So <laughs> I, was up in, I was up in the big boys from a pretty young age. I, um, I remember debuting for first grade, which sounds awesome on a podcast, not that big of a deal back home. But uh, I debuted for first grade and we was in a Kel- it was in Kalgoorlie. Oh. Country round. <laughs> um, Far out. But there's like, there's kind of, there's so many older blokes in that, in that team that you know, had played for years and years and years and they were they were mentors to me so it's always been something that I've kind of had in the back of my mind it's obviously at the forefront now but yeah for as long as I can remember even at school like I had specific teachers that were mentors and yeah um, probably like my old man's been a mentor for me my whole life like he's the hardest worker I've ever seen but you know family has always come first for him that's why he's worked away for his whole life so that's something what what sort of well, we've been asking this a bit. Well, I've been asking this a bit in the latest podcast because, like, what is what are you doing on a daily basis to sort of maintain yourself or keep growing? Like, what are the things that you do every day because you know works for you and is improving you in small bits daily? Yeah. So there's one thing that I practice every single day is a scoreboard. And I think it's the old footy player in me. I need something to keep me uh, kind of honest, I guess. You've got the home team and the away team and I've been speaking about this a lot lately on the socials and it's been taking quite well. So it's obviously resonating with people and you've got the home team and you've got the away team and the home team's obviously you. So it's your responsibility to put as many scores on the board for the home team as possible and, and they don't have to be massive. You know, it can be a cold shower and I have a cold shower and it's absolutely nothing to do with the science behind it. It's just super uncomfortable and I know if I can get through that, then that's a score on the, the home team from the get-go. 
No, I've got a um, I've got a diary similar to Dan's here, but it's got a lot of questions in there which I'll look at every morning. So bang, I've looked at my diary. There's a score on the home board. And then through any 24-hour period, we're going to have losses, whether it's you stub your toe, you have a fight with your partner or you get fired from your job and, and everything in between. And it's not, it's, not a, you know, it's not a big deal. If you're at 10 and you have a negative, you're back to 9. But if you don't have a scoreboard and you're just seeing negatives, you're just straight away <sighs> negative 1, negative 2, negative 3. So that's, that's something powerful, I do. Mate. Yeah, something I do that's every cool. day. That's cool. Did yeah. you come up with this? Yeah. That, that, that's awesome. Theory. <laughs> Patent. Someone <laughs> trademark that shit. Mate, that is a really but cool do idea. You know, do you know what? Like, it's there's something in competition, particularly for blokes. Mm. If you can make things about a competition, oh, yeah. whether it's a competition with yourself or whether you've got an accountability buddy or whatever it is that you yeah. do, you know. I like, think that's imperative, hey. I've always had that with, like, without knowing it was a good thing for me. Mm. Like, the first, when we first started working with this clown, like I was, I always wanted to be better listen, than him. Listen, yeah, it took language. me three years, but got there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, that's what it. Like we're competitive by nature, uh, oh and so got, like, him, got, <laughs> got there. <he's> <laughs> no, but you know, like I, I think it's, um, I think it's super, super important to have yeah. something like that, and it's not. Um, so well, Matthew McConaughey does it too. Mm. He he talks about you know trying to always. Yeah, he's got his. Beat himself in five years' time, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's never going to get there and like beat uh, that. Person. Can you repeat his speech? But he's yeah, hero. Someone, goes for ages, but it's someone do it because yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I yeah. think that's it's super important to, so, to yeah. allow. So we work with organisations and we try push it into them as well. And it's like a lot of people get pushed back because they're like, oh, well, we don't want it to be seen as competitive. And I was like, yeah, but adding a positive to the scoreboard, you're not. It's not a KPI. You're not hitting sales. You can add thousands of positives to your scoreboard just by introducing or waving at someone in you know. the two think oh mate covid no cars on the road and suddenly everyone's going back to the two fingers salute off the steering wheel covid's yeah. over everyone's back to the arrogant driver that doesn't look at you talking about the um two the competition the, the competition part um uh, to win friends and influence people in that book they talk about uh there was a i can't remember which steel company it was but some big one in america and what they did, they had a, a day shift and a night shift, right? Mm. And they needed to pick up production. So the GM went downstairs and wrote oh, whatever it was, like, you know, 50,000 cartons or whatever, right? And the, the next shift rocked up and they're like, 50,000 cartons, what's this? And they're like, oh, that's how many oh, cartons yeah. the last crew got out. <laughs> like, fucking what? 50,000 cartons. So they went and they wrote down 65,000 cartons. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just went on and went on and went on. And like the amount of efficiency that went up and the camaraderie and stuff between mm. the, the two sides, like it was incredible how much it lifted everything. Did they all get pay rises? I'm not sure, mate. This is like, <laughs> this is like, 19, th- this is like 1930. <laughs> 12 cents a day. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like competition stuff, like I think it is important. It's inbred in us. We're never going to get rid of it. We, we might as well use it to its potential and harness it you know there's so many things that are inside us that people want to shun and, and mark as bad but we can, anything well, can be de- deemed a positive if you look at you it do, you do work in schools right mm. and like there's a big thing with schools you know like, like participation awards and shit like this like uh, people aren't getting yeah. people aren't getting an actual win anymore everyone gets to win that what's you know a, that's what's on the end of his scoreboard it's just a participation <laughs> award. Participation award, yes. Coaches award. Thanks, you Matt. You've done well again. Award, you never want to get, walk up and take that trophy. But, <laughs> but <laughs> you like know, most improved. But, but how how important do you think it is for kids and for everyone in, in to to learn that losing's all right and to get better is a good thing? I yeah, it's one of the bees on my bonnet, and it's like a hive at the moment. But yeah, these we need to get rid of the the negative connotation around losing because. 
like my biggest successes have come off the back of my biggest failures. You know, when something hasn't gone right, all I've had to do is just change perspective or change what I'm physically doing to get myself in a better position. But instead of re- like we're rewarding kids mm. for, you know, and to be super blunt, like we're rewarding kids for being shit at something. Like if you're if you're not a hundred meter sprinter, but you're getting a w- an award for coming last, and maybe sprinting's not for you, but you're an incredible hurdler or you're an incredible long jumper, but you're not given the opportunity to put passion into that because everyone's giving you a ribbon for the hundreds. You're like, I'll stick around here. I think I think losing so yeah, and 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 understanding when you have lost and what you can learn out of it. How to be a good loser. How to be a good loser. How to be a good loser is that. massive. Yeah, there's a there's a, a chapter um, I'm reading bloody. Uh, big T Robbins's um, what is it seven ways seven essential ways to money freedom or whatever it is right mm-hmm. and in there it talks about this woman who started this business and she was a really successful entrepreneur but she was brought up by her father every night at dinner would ask her something that she stuffed up for the day or something that went wrong mm-hmm. so she was always understanding things that were wrong so she could rectify them rather than being like oh what went really well today it was sort of like, what went shit or what were you bad at today yeah and her improving on it I and mean, i've never heard anything like that before it's pretty impressive yeah it's like the gratitude thing like i don't know who i was speaking to the other day but we were talking about like everyone maybe it was you boys mate everyone wants to talk about the fun stuff around mental health like they want to talk about the yoga the mindfulness the gratitude but what we're doing with this gratitude you know resilience and gratitude are two buzzwords at the moment both essential but both need a really good definition off the back of it so gratitude when you do your three things that you're grateful for at night instead of being grateful for all the amazing things that happen gratitude is only powerful when you can look at something that was terrible and find gratitude in the fact that it happened that's when gratitude's super powerful. So if we're laying in bed at night going and writing down our three things we're grateful for, going grateful for my my great coffee I had in the morning, I'm grateful for my, you know, got a pay rise at work and I'm grateful for the good conversation I had with my partner at dinner. That's fantastic, but make sure we're following it up saying, look, I'm grateful for the fact that I had a, an argument on site with the, the brickie today because it allowed me to learn more about him and what made him tick so we can have a better relationship off the back of it. Like that's where gratitude is super powerful, not at the top end. Do you re- and do you reckon you've like because yeah? Do you, I like I look back at different things that have happened in my life that have been challenges at the time. I probably wasn't that grateful for them, but given who I am now and who sort of I've become, I am grateful that I went through those things because mm. they sort of they define you and they help you know mold you to become who you're supposed to be. Absolutely. Like I I wouldn't be doing what I w- would. I wouldn't be doing this right now if Justin hadn't died. Like, plain and simple. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And it's the only reason I'm doing what I absolutely love every single day and, and hopefully saving other people going through with the you know the ultimate decision to end their life. But that hindsight is such a powerful thing. And hindsight doesn't really help you process the pain or the trauma when you're, when you're like, deep in it. It means it, nothing. It? Zero. It it's, means fuck It's all well after, yeah. the, after, yeah, the, after the fact. After the fact, yeah. Well after. I think that's where positive psychology comes in, but, like... And it, and it needs a rename. I'll be the first to admit that. But positive psychology, there's, there's as many opposed to the negative psychology, <laughs> is it? Is oh, that? I don't know. We could, <laughs> we could talk about that. <laughs> you look like Crystalia then Absolutely. when you look at me. Then you clown. <laughs> but like one of the really good things that's come out of positive psychology is the sailboat metaphor, and it talks about your life in elements of a sailboat. You know, like your values are your your compass, and the destination is your island. So, like, if for a really good example of the cuff is like if a boat only has one island is their destination and she's a pretty shit ass boat but a lot of people just have the one big goal or, or destination mm. for their life 
And then when they get there, what do you do? Like, my goal was to make an NRL debut. We see so many young people do this, and I know Gardy's super passionate about this as well. Like, my goal is to make an NRL debut or be picked up by an NRL club. And then they get there, and then they're getting paid so much money with no guidance, and they're all getting on the piss, getting on the drugs and making mistakes that then, unfortunately, society paints them with for the rest of their life. Well, this goes back to that Matthew McConaughey thing that we were sort of talking about, isn't it? Like, he keeps talking about himself in, what is it, five years' time. Mm. And when he gets there, he's like, no, like, you know, yeah, another (laughs) five years' time. It's just, you always... Who said it? Uh, I didn't come this far to only come this far. I brought it up in the last podcast as well. I think it's uh, it's one yeah, of that is a good one. I didn't. Uh, it must have been one of our recent, you know, recent guests. But sounds yeah. like something Glenn would say for sure. Yeah, yeah I think it was Glenn Azar. Uh, yeah. Really, like talking about your, the the sailboat idea there. I think we had Glenn come in and talk to our team about three weeks ago. Now it Two. was aw- yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome, and. One of the big things I took away from it was um, him talking about, he, like, what's your ideal average day? Mm. And I'd never heard it put like that before. Yeah. It's like, you know, and everything that I um, have been reading and upskilling about sort of the last 12 months is, has been about, you know, where you do want to go, what your goals are. But it hasn't really been down to the narrow of being like, well, what does your best sort of average day look like? You know mm. what I mean? And that really changed things for me. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Because no one doesn't, like, everyone wants some sort of work or some sort of thing. And it's just like, you know, what is it? I don't think anyone really thinks about uh, it. Like, you've got to re-engineer it, don't you? You've got the, the end goal. Like, it's like, I guess, you know, the podcast is for tradies. If you look at a finished house, you know, we've got to go back to, you know, if you don't put the right piping in your slab, then the whole house is cooked. Yeah. Like, you've got to re-engineer. If, if the house is your ideal year, then... You know, framing stage is your ideal month, and then mark out's your ideal week, and then getting the right material to site's your ideal day. Like, we've got to range. And then all of a sudden, there's a big bloody rain event, (laughs) floods the footings, you're up to your. Apprentices cut everything 100 (laughs) miles short. You're up to your waist in mud. No one waterproof that or cut back enough with the excavator, so Rossi's got to get in there and. Do it again. But, like, that's what it is, you know. We've got to re-engineer it back to our days rather than, you know, even with our financials, we're all guilty of it. Like, trying to – we look at our KPIs for those that are business owners that, like, monthly or yearly or or tax yearly. But if you break it down to daily, it's so much easier to manage everything. Well, yeah. But this goes into everything, right? This goes into absolutely everything because, mm-hmm. like – even exercise, like people that want to lose weight or people that want to be fitter, it's just like, oh, I can't get up and run a marathon. Oh, fuck, this is too hard. It's like, well, no, if you get up and run 2K today, yep. you can run it under 20. That's good. And then do it for the next week and do it for the next fortnight and then you're going to get a bit fitter. Then you can do it in three k Incremental improvement, eh? Yeah, but like that was the same like with me because like I've just been on this huge health thing mm. and I was like, oh, I went in there, got my body fat scan. I was like, he's like 15%. I was like, I want to be 11 I was like, how quickly can we get there? And he was like, well, let's not try and get this that quickly. It's just like, let's just do it properly and yeah. work. And that's why the, the process loses such a fail. You know what I mean? Let's just process it. Mm. And and I have, like, learned so much through that and, like, just doing the centre app and everything like that. Like, when I first started the centre app, I was like, holy shit, I can barely do these, like, moderate guys and there's an, there's an advanced person on here. You know what I mean? But by the end of the six weeks... I could do the, I could do all the advanced stuff, you know mm. what I mean? But it's just like, it's that first part where you think you need to do everything at once. So like, yeah. no, just just cut it back and just get little wins, and that's your scoreboard, you know what I mean? That's Gant, just your Gantt chart, your life. Love it. This is great. Gantt charts are too bloody complicated. For me. <laughs> You're a big Gantt chart man, Derek. <laughs> I tried to be. <laughs> I tried to be. 
I tried to be when I was on the tools. Boys, we, I got Gantt shots coming. We're over. We overcomplicate everything. Like dumb it down. Keep it simple. There's stupid. A, there's a reason we exist. Like as I say, we as in the three of us. Like with what we're trying to create is the clinical. We've given clinical psychology its runway, and we're getting towards the end of it. It's not solving the problem. Our numbers are going up year after year after year. Like we lost over three thousand lives last year, and we're probably going to lose it again, if not more, off the back of COVID. Coronavirus. Yeah, shit. Like the, the the chance of my old lady walking down the street and seeing a suicide before COVID was pretty much zero. We probably all agree with that. Off the back of COVID, the chance of mum going for a morning walk and seeing someone take their life has exponentially increased. And all we've heard about is funding for the big guys, funding mm. for the the, mm. the clinical reaction, but no one's doing anything for the proactive. Yeah. Like you guys but, just but, want to start the conversation, but mate, that's but that's everything. Like all, I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself. But I mean, you know, fuck healthcare and everything like that. Like Sick the care. amount of the shit that you see people eat on a daily mm. basis. Like I had no idea how bad food really was for you. Like the thing I've learned in the last two three months is that n- whatever you eat, there's a consequence, mm. no matter what you eat, except celery. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a, there's a consequence like for whatever you eat. You go to the cancer clinic and their meals are fucking stacked with sugar. And I'm definitely <laughs> not a nutritionist, but I'm pretty sure cancer thrives off sugar. Mate. We're feeding these cancer patients sugar-packed meals. Oh. I'm keen to uh, – like I want to find out because we're sort of talking about, you know, originally you sort of asked about what you do every day to, you know, be filling your cup type scenario. But Scoreboard. I'm, I'm, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but like Why? Why do you do it? And do you think enough people understand their why? <sighs> because until you know your why, like how the <laughs> hell is how the hell are you going to go and you know do the two kilometers and the three kilometers? Like, yeah, you, so it's something that I've just I've learned a lot over the last few years is the word purpose for me. Like, and I'll probably rub people up here the wrong way, but fuck, I just hate the word purpose. Like purpose, why? Pur- yeah, I'll get into it because. <laughs> I do school presentations and I have year eight girls, year nine girls at Ipswich Girls Grammar saying they feel pointless in life because they have no purpose because media, parents, self-help books have told us for so many years that you need to find your purpose. And Simon Sinek, I love him, definitely a mentor of mine, but his Find Your Why has just fucked our generations because we've got so many people now trying so hard to distill their why that then they get there and there's got no passion behind it. So purpose is great, but without passion, when you have a hard day, you're not going to keep going. So for me, it's all about distilling, and I don't know if it's the right word, but distilling someone's passion. So my passion is to stop seeing suicides. Like I'm, the number just infuriates me and it's going up. So my passion is to stop suicide. My purpose is how I actually do that. So like I guess we could title it my wires to stop suicides, but my my passion is the deeper lining there and then purpose is your actual vehicle to make the change. Do you think that idea of purpose though is kind of misconstrued in that it's just one thing that you have to find and then that's it for the rest of your life? I think it's like, overanalyzed. Well, but they People yeah. dig too fucking deep, yeah. way too deep. It does, and I prefer, for me, to be honest, my preferred word to describe that is finding meaning or like finding yeah. meaning in what you're doing because purpose meaning whatever, it changes. It's always going to change. The goalposts will always move mm. as you grow. But has anyone ever explained to that schoolgirl that, you know, her purpose at the moment is to go to school and make mistakes yeah. and that's what you're supposed to do that's your purpose right that's your purpose now you know is do people understand that as a father a family man their purpose at home is to you know 
be the family man, look out for mm. their family. But then at work, they might have a completely different thing that they're passionate about and it's a different purpose. It's not the same thing that you just, yeah. you've always yeah, got. Yeah, you don't wake up every day and do the same thing over and over again. It's all different parts into a, a larger piece. But I think... So uh, your values yeah. tick into it. Yeah, but but yeah. finding, for me, what's more important is trying to understand that and finding meaning in what you're doing and finding a reason, even though, say, you know, maybe I'll go to work and I swing a hammer... And it's not what I feel like my, you know, my what I was put on this earth to do. But I can still find meaning in the fact that this is a good job. It's a good income. I can go and I can get up with work. I can put, you know, mm. for work, put my two feet on the ground and go and give this my best and, and, and treat it as a stepping stone to lead me on to where I'm supposed to get to. Then there's a big difference though if you fucking really hate your job. You know what I mean? Well, that's like I think that's where you've got to draw the line. It's sort of like where... Well, everyone. How does it make you feel? Yeah, <coughs> everyone's scared to live because everyone, like, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, we've had that on the, mate, we've had that on this we're podcast we're plenty of times. Yeah, like, fuck it. Just it's the only guarantee. I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Death well, that taxes. taxes. Thirty-five <laughs> percent scam, mate. Fuck oh. you. No, the um, it's the, true. The, you know? There's a good one that I saw the other day though. It was um, uh, people live two lives that um, and they start living their second one after they find out they've only got one. Mm. Yeah, fuck. Look at it. Look at how much people achieve when they get given a death sentence. As in, like, oh, I've got terminal cancer. Oh, like, yeah. fuck me. The shit they get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does it? Why does it take the end of your life to coming up on you to do it? Like, I speak to, you know, I was speaking to someone about this yesterday. She is in a job right where sales rep, commission based, doesn't really like it. Feels kind of financially stable. She's trying to prove that she was the better sales rep because someone else has gone into a territory is going to do a shit job. And I was like, you're trying to. Prove to your boss who obviously doesn't really care yeah, about which you. Which one? <laughs> you want him to go shit, so your boss thinks you're the better one. That you don't even like working in the company anyway. So you're better off just pulling the pulling the pin and finding something you really do. But like with tradies, like we spoke about this offline. Is I'm back on the tools at the moment to keep the lights on in the charity because you know charity is a fickle thing to keep financially stable. So I'm swinging the hammer and instead of just going to work today, being like, fuck, I've got to build some stairs. I had a discussion with the lady who we're building the stairs for and she's got this great fake turf area at the back of her yard, which you can't get to. She's got like a pirate's, pirate's sort of uh, plank to get up there and a ladder lent up again and the kids aren't getting up there. No one's playing on it. So instead of just going to work, being like, oh, I'm just going to work to swing the hammer. I'm going to work to unlock the potential for their kids to be playing with their parents when they get home mm. this afternoon on this AstroTurf. Or we were speaking about Jordan earlier. He's putting solar panels on a cop at on the police academy. He's not just putting solar panels on the police academy. He's putting solar panels on the police academy. So Joe Dirt can go, probably not a good cop name. <laughs> uh, civilian A is uh, going to graduate from the police academy from the power generated from the solar panels to in five years' time, he's going to walk in and stop a domestic violent in incidents where someone was going to yeah. you know, murder his wife. Yeah. And they that's... Find passion in what we do. Find a bit of meaning. It's it's right there, isn't it? It's gold. I think it's great. Mm. Yeah. That's... um. Yeah, it's powerful when you think of it like that and it does, give it, it does give it meaning and purpose. So if there's someone out there listening like that, just break it down and find yeah. out, you know, what you are actually doing with what you're doing, like what you're actually going to make happen. You and know I, I mean? think you can hate your job. I think you can just, you cannot enjoy it. Maybe it's not you forever, but just trying to find that mindset that this might just be the thing. It might just open up an opportunity tomorrow that leads you on to the next thing and the next mm -hmm. thing. And then suddenly, you know, next thing you know, you, you're, Fucking doing trademark or something, and you're just like, man, how the, how do we end up here? Like, well, fuck, if you put thirty runs on the home scoreboard for the day, 
Hating your job's only one negative. You're Mate, who are you playing? The Titans? My God, fuck. It's <laughs> a good win. <laughs> Mate, yeah, it's awesome. What else you got, Derek? <sighs> Mate, I don't know. This has been a good chat. This has been a good chat. What haven't we covered yet? Have you got anything that you... Have you got anything... Push to me. <laughs> have you got anything that, you know, that you just love getting across that you haven't covered already? Mate, the scoreboard's my one thing. But I, f- I feel uh, like we I feel like we go all day. Like we, we could take we really could. Deep. Like we've got obviously everyone's well aware. We've got how good's living is our catchphrase, and it's not something we've uh, just wanted to throw away. Like you boys are a conversation starter. We've we've brought him up a bit, but Glenn Azar's not dead yet. Our how good's living is just an element. It started as a hashtag ten years ago. That it was just like when when shit's bad, you know, and and. The positive guy in the room is always the annoying one. <laughs> you know, if someone hates their job and someone walks in and goes, fuck, you're lucky to have a job, you're like, dude, you haven't helped me one bit yet. <laughs> but how good's living is taking away from that negative person coming in the room. Fuck. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, they have Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> That's what how good's living in. It, was, it wasn't like comparing your shit to someone else's shit. It was just going like, mate, like, how good is living? We've got an opportunity here. You've got 24 hours and it resets every single day. You had a shit day yesterday. That was a 24-hour period. That's done. Let's wipe that scoreboard. You've got a new scoreboard today. How good is living? Let's positive it up. Own it. Leave it in the past. <laughs> Get it in there. We're, I love it. We're big into, um, well, Mike introduced it for me initially, but Jocko Willink. The, Hectic. Um, Extreme ownership, his whole thing. I mean, he's pretty extreme. Mm. Like he's pretty it's in. The, it's in the same. <laughs> well, I'm he, a I'm he, a lease mode guy. Like that's beast mode. I'm a big fan of lease mode. What's that? So it's just like the bipolar of beast mode. Really, like so yeah, many well. people. Like I spoke to Cam the other day. Trains under Glenn, and I was saying like so many people I've dealt with. Like they've got this crazy training routine, and we always have to distill the difference between routine and regiment. Regiments. Like if you fuck up a regiment, you've you've done something pretty bad. If you've got a routine and you don't follow it, who cares? Go again, scratch, start again. We've got so many people now that are stuck in this, like creating this beast mode mentality, which if your beast mode is to train three hours a day or your beast mode is to read three hours a day or your, whatever it is, four hours of yoga, and you don't <laughs> do it. Be flexible. <laughs> well, if you don't do it, that's having more negative effects than if you hadn't started yeah because people are beating themselves up like i just did a, a running challenge for example i was going for 6k a day for 60 days and i got to day 51 and my knee blew out it was a i look like i'd been shot um and if i was in if i was a beast mode kind of guy i'd be like fuck like i was so close 51 days i'm absolutely gutted but because i'm a lease mode guy i was like oh, i can't believe i just ran 51 51 Mate. days straight and yeah. 98 kilos with a little bit of flob laying around, and I managed to get through it. Like that's the difference for that's me awesome. between beast and least. But you've got to, you've got to try. You sort of got to wonder what the beast mode, what the what their why is, mm. or why you know what the end goal is. You know, or you know, is it to look a certain way, or is it to lift a certain weight, or is mm. it just because maybe that's what you think people like to see in well, other people? You I know? think people get caught up in it's like, well, that's. It stuck with me um, what Sado said a couple, like a year ago or something now. It was sort of if you, you know, if going to the gym, if you're going to the gym and you you can't be happy unless you go to the gym, well, then it's just as bad as being on the drugs to a degree because it's like if you can't remove something out mm. of your day-to-day routine and still be okay with it. That's the only thing. I'm, I'm a massive fan of 
you know, setting training routines and be, like I've obviously used to train six hours a day when I was trying to be competitive at CrossFit, but like I'm not bagging it, but it's just like we've got to be able to flick the switch and not just on a Sunday. Like Sunday can't be your one rest day. Like you've got to find a balance and, and, I, and I'm probably picking on physical training here, but it's the same with anything. Like if you're doing something every single day, and you don't do it one day, that has to be okay. Yeah, but isn't it ironic because like, there's a lot of people that are doing nothing and there's people that are doing too much. It's like, mm. fuck, you can't win. <laughs> moderation you know I mean? moderation well, is key and everything, isn't it's it? That one, it's that negative five to plus five mental health scale. You know, we've got to try balance it out. Yeah, 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 mate, 100%. No, well, <laughs> God, it's all a juggling act, isn't it? There's been plenty of short clips in this one, Ben. That's got to keep you busy, son. Mike's got heaps of timestamps over there. He's nodding his head. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been really good, mate. Leave us um, with a couple of podcasts that you're into at the moment, apart from this one, obviously, because it's fantastic. Oh, the trademark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, there's there's a bunch. I obviously have got yourself. I've got Glenn Azar on there. Oh, I listened to a strange one, actually. It's not going to be any help for mental health, but I listened to a property developer podcast. <laughs> oh, really? <with> Justin Getty. <laughs> um, I just find it really interesting. It's one that I just put on when I don't want to think. Like, I do this every single day. Yeah, Like I talk about mental health every day. It's something that I just find a switch. So if I'm going to recommend a podcast, I'm honestly just going to recommend something that is completely left the field. Hey, that's cool. To what you do. Like so many people will recommend books and it's great. Like recommend books as much as you can. But I always try to recommend something that's a completely left the field that just changes people's. Yeah, reading yeah, reading's not necessarily for everyone, but absorbing quality information certainly I, I, is. I, I highly recommend it. And there's plenty. I highly recommend. And we're so lucky now. There's plenty of ways that you can absorb your information. You know. Yeah. Everyone should have read Lost Connections by now, and if you haven't, it's definitely one. Lost Connections. Yeah. I have not read that one. Johan Hari. It's pretty much it. <laughs> so we started Human Connection Project before the book came out, but now everyone thinks we started Human yeah, Connection Project. Bastards. On the back of him. But no, it's a fantastic book, Lost Connections. Johan Hari is probably my one recommendation. Mate, Love that's it. awesome. Love it. Uh, we've got an event coming up that you're part of, which I mentioned at the start. The TX Charity Golf Day, sponsored mm. by Gardell Electrical at the Brisbane Golf Club. And if you need solar, <laughs> look no further. <laughs> parent homes and parent dreams. Oh, mate, he's just allowing a, a police officer to... Finish Academy so we can mate, stop a DV. Mate, go, yeah, bloody guardy. I brought in. Champion. I brought in the how how goods living T-shirt. That's it. So get around the Human Connection Project. We'll get some links and details and all that 100%. sort of stuff. But I I have no doubt that this is the, only the first of many conversations and interactions that we'll all have together. Bloody so thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Loved boys. it. Rock and roll. <laughs> if you're a fan of Trademutt's One Twenty Grit podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademark.com.